What is up, Ranger Nation? Welcome back to another Voss Talks, episode number five. Tonight we sat down and discussed Ohio's Backyard Ultra with the race director himself, Mr. Michael Owen. The third annual Ohio's Backyard Ultra is set to take place this coming weekend, and Michael joined us for the entire time to answer your questions and your calls about OBU. It was wonderful and extremely insightful, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome to tonight's episode of Voss Talks, the Ohio's Backyard Ultra preview episode with not Nick Voss, but race director of uh, Ohio's Backyard Ultra himself, Michael Owen. Michael, I've got the single most hard-hitting, important for runners of this race to know question that you're going to be asked, um, and probably the most important question you've ever been asked as a race director, quite frankly, um, and that is... What is your favorite Dolly Parton song? My favorite Dolly Parton song. Good question. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with "Coat of Many Colors." Pretty good, good one. Good choice. Everybody goes with nine to five, and I will say that is a banger. But it has absolutely nothing on my Tennessee Mountain Home. So that's probably second best. Yeah. <laughs> Big nine all to right. five guy over here, but that's just me because I'm basic uh, with all when it comes to all that, all of those things. Yeah. All right. And as you might have noticed, this is Voss Talks, uh, not with Nick Voss. Um, he may be calling in, maybe not. Um, all that weather that they're having out west where he lives has got his flights into uh, Columbus for the race this Saturday delayed. Um, we were hoping to have him on. Maybe he'll be able to call in later. But, you know, if you're on and you would like to play the role of Nick Voss tonight, you can always call in the numbers there on the screen, uh, shoot that number a text, and then JD3 will get you hooked up with what you need to talk to us. Give us your predictions for the Backyard Ultra. Tell us why our predictions were so wrong or why mine were perfect and they're going to come out right. Um, and I'm going to take over for Wesley as the person making race predictions. You'd go for it. I'd love it, honestly. And uh, just let me know. I can get you a camera set up and I'll, I'll do all the editing for you and we can just make this thing super awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's actually dive into the show a little bit. And we'll start with our usual first question. What is everybody drinking tonight? Wesley, would you like to lead us off? Wow, I'm so honored to go in front of this guest, and it's just Michael Settlemine starting, but I got to run still tonight, so I'm going to go with the uh, Truly Raspberry Kiwi. Uh, this Hopefully, it's not Coach Owen we're interviewing tonight. It's just, you know, race director Michael Owen, so. Yeah, race director Owen, um, today's role. Perfect. So, yeah, I basically, I'm, all, I'm, I'm free then, so it's all good. Uh, Michael, what are you drinking? First of all, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to talk about Ohio's Backyard Ultra. It's been a while since I've been on the show, but tonight I'm drinking uh, some Snowville Creamery chocolate milk. Nice little recovery drink after a hard workout I just did. Yeah, you had an awesome performance at the Super Bowl Trail Championships a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure you're still recovering from that. Uh, Cam, what are you drinking? I have, uh, sadly, not much left of a White Claw, also on the Seltzer Vibe, uh, but this is my last one, so we're going to be going back to IPA soon. I've got a Land Grant Osher here waiting and ready. Um, just another IPA I bought because I thought the design on the can was cool. If you want to know anything about IPAs, Nick Voss is a great guy to talk to, but he's not here tonight, so we're going to have some Seltzer energy instead of IPA energy. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of bummed at Nick, honestly. We were like, what do we do? Like, it was like, how can we have Voss Talks without Nick? And honestly, we should have, I think we should have pitched some funds together and get him to fly in from Denver on a private jet or whatnot so he can make the show. But uh, we'll get him to call in and it'll all be good. But let's really dive into OBU. We've got a ton of things to talk about. And I'm sure people are going to want to know, you know, as a race director, this, this race is going on year three. But I just want to know, Michael, let's just start things off with, you know, this is the most competitive field Ohio's Backyard Ultra has seen yet. Uh, what does it mean that all those big names are kind of coming to the race this year? And kind of just what is that environment going to be? How's it going to be different this year than from previous years? Yeah, um, it's exciting. Obviously, each year it seems to have gotten more competitive with the depth of the field. And, um, you know, I don't know, as a race director, when I'm evaluating kind of like the success of a race um, into one year after the next, you know, part of part of me is is proud of kind of what the race has done in terms of getting retention. You know, we're, we have 12 of the top 15 um, finishers from this past year back this year. Um, you know, if, if this was a, you know, subpar race, those people probably wouldn't come back. So if, from a race director, logistical standpoint, um, it shows that we're doing something right. We're making an environment that, you know, these runners are wanting to come back to. Um, and then just Ohio has sort of solidified itself as, um, you know, like a backyard ultra state and, you know, Ohio's backyard ultra, our race is one of two backyard ultras that I'm aware of in Ohio. Um, and the, you know, Bob's, Bob's big timber backyard ultra is also a competitive race. And so I think it's a testament of just the state of Ohio, the depth of long, you know, hundred plus mile endurance runners, um, you know, out there in the state is unparalleled. And we, we definitely have some out of state people coming in for this one. Um, but just to, you know, take away the out of staters and we still have a very stacked field. And so, um, yeah, year three, super excited, you know, obviously being a golden ticket guaranteed race, uh, auto ticket to Laz's big, big backyard ultra is, is a plus. I'm sure people are kind of eyeballing that. Um, so I don't know what that'll look like in year four, year five going forward. Um, yeah, I can talk about that in, here in a bit, but uh, there's going to be some changes apparently with uh, Laz's uh, every year. You know, there's going to be some silver tickets. There's going to, there's going, I don't know. I haven't really read the email in depth with Laz, but uh, so yeah, year three, happy where it's at. Um, excited to get the race off and looking forward to see kind of what happens um, into Monday, hopefully. Yeah, definitely excited to hear that and to uh, get down there to Lucasville to take part. We've got Eric Anderson in the chat already asking a question. Um, he says, I think we discussed getting more women involved in the Ohio Backyard Ultra. The women's field looks stacked. Uh, what are you thinking, Mo? So, yeah, I, I put out a post um, on, my on my personal Facebook you know, a while back. It's hard to control things from a race director. I've got some ideas on sort of ways to control the number of entrants, uh, gender, female, male entrants. Um, but, but, you know, this race sold out in 12 hours and I didn't put any, you know, stipulations on kind of like who could register. It was just a first come first serve. And, and I was a little, um, you know, in a way, a little embarrassed that we only had like, you know, 20% of the entrance being female. So it was a, it was something that I, I wanted to address and hopefully just encourage more women to come out for OBU. Um, right now we have 25 of the 110 entrants are women 
Um, which, you know, I don't know how that exactly compares to the, the greater ultra running uh, participation trends. Like when you're looking at 100 plus mile events, like where that number is. Um, so I was giving preference from the wait list to female people, female entrants on the wait list. Um, as people withdrew from the race and I was inviting more people in from the wait list, I was, I was um, giving preference to, to women entrants. So that, that raised up the, uh, the initial, I think, 22 women up to 25 now. Seems like we'll be what's on the start list. So, But the, the level of women in the race from a competitive standpoint is, is very deep, you know, and, and uh, I think that's what is, is really cool about it. Who are some names that you're really looking forward to seeing out there uh, this year's race uh, on the women's side specifically? Yeah, so some of the returning names um, from this past year that I'm familiar with, Jennifer Russo, obviously, she has history at this event. She was the, the assist last year. She went 154 miles in 2020. Um, Stephanie Bland is from Michigan. She's back for a second time. She went 100 miles last year. Um, there's some local Athens runners that I'm – close to uh, Jessica Koppelwitz and uh, kind of a couple new runners kind of new, new into the backyard ultra scene and the ultra marathon scene. That's Allie Wainer and Helen Rudder. Both of those ladies have experience at running at different distances. And uh, I think it's one of those things where I don't think the pace is going to be an issue for them. It's just, um, you know, when it gets up to that ultra marathon or, you know, 50 plus mile distance, how they're going to handle some of those adversities. Um, so those are some names and there's, there's a couple uh, women on the list that I've been looking at that I think could make a splash. Um, Amy Nelson and Aaron Brady, both of those names. If you look at their ultra sign up results, plenty of hundred mile results, sub 24 hour, like hard trail uh, results. Um, you know, someone, people like that kind of like have that Jen Russo background making their first splash into the backyard ultra could go, you know, as, as much as they want to, as much as um, kind of like what Jennifer did last year. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about how that's going to play out and just seeing from a race director standpoint, um, Michael, is there, are you pulling for anybody ever? This is something I'm always curious about, you know, are you just a neutral guy there ringing your bell, occasionally falling asleep on the, uh, the hill going up from the tent area at uh, Reese's backyard, but like what's going through your mind? Are you just looking to see everybody get their best performance? Or are you like thinking like, man, I really know that like Jess Koppelitz has a hundred in her for this. Uh, tell, tell us a little more about that. Well, you know, as a race director, you have to play it as fair as you can without giving preference to people. And, and I try to do that on race day. You know, I definitely have a lot of close friends in this race and there's no denying that. Like, I think kind of my races are built on some of that face-to-face, -face, you know, close personal relationships. You know, some of my core, core participants are close friends as well outside of the race director um, arena. And so, you know, obviously there's, a dozen or more people that I'm close to, you know, Wesley has done it the past couple of years. I obviously have been very close to Wesley 
since our time at OU and, uh, you know, Chadwick Robinson's a close friend of mine who's done several of my events and we've done things outside of, um, race directing, but, you know, during the event, I've got my race director hat on and, uh, I'm mainly focusing on just giving, just executing the race, ringing, ringing the bell, blowing the whistle, um, making sure the port of Johns are, are clean, you know, uh, all those little things that, um, you know, you don't really, that doesn't really affect, uh, you know, the people's performance, uh, behind the scenes is what I'm focusing on. And, and I'm there to give everybody encouragement and just to see everybody go as far as they can. Um, you know, if, if everybody goes as far as they possibly can then the whole event will go further. Uh, so yeah. As a race director, I'm sure you have to be super encouraging, but there's also got to be times where you just got to throw the hammer down and just really lay into someone for breaking the rules, especially the backyard ultra where there's a ton of different rules that runners have to follow within this format. How do you balance that act? Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the backyard ultra rules, they're, they're pretty basic, you know, so there are a few that I think has some gray area and, um, you know, I think it is up to the race director to kind of to, uh, define those gray areas. Like, for instance, that quarantine backyard ultra uh, one year ago had this crazy gray area of a rule where the one runner stood on his treadmill for, you know, 30 seconds or, or whatever it was. I forget. Maybe it was 60 seconds. And, and uh, it was deemed that he didn't leave his corral in time. So that's one of those rules. It's like not really written out, but uh but you know, there's there's definitely like the rules that Laz states for the backyard ultra format. Like the distance has to be right at four point one six six seven, and um, you have to be in the corral and the when the bell rings. You know, all these different rules that are, that he is defines. And then there's local rules. The way I kind of define them that are local to each event uh, venue. And so um, I've tried to lay, I think the main thing is just kind of communicating really well with the participants beforehand and making sure everyone's clear on those rules. And, um, you know, a lot of that is um, kind of spirit of the game. You you trust people to follow them and you trust people to self-police. And, you know, you can't really cheat out there because you have people running with you the whole time and, you know, they'll call you out, they'll tell me, whatever, but... um, there's just some small things like you can't receive aid from your crew members when you're out on the loop. You can't like hand off a bottle, um, you know, stuff like that is no big deal. You might give a warning or something, but people are pretty respectful of, of those requests. And uh, um, yeah, it, it's, I don't really worry about too much. Yeah. And so kind of pivoting there a little bit, you talked about the local rules, but each of these races has a really unique local um, location, like where it's happening, right? Whose backyard? And I mentioned Reese earlier, but uh, tell us a little bit about the Machensi Ridge Athletic Club and why you decided to hold this race there and what your relationship is with Reese and how sort of special having this event there is for both of y'all. Yeah, so in 2018, when I saw Laz kind of making this, um, kind of this public call for people to start putting on their own backyard ultras. I immediately thought about Reese's uh, McChesney Ridge Athletic Club and um, 
I think in order for me to put on a race like this, it has to mean something to me and kind of taking this backyard, all this backyard concept, um, to heart and it has to kind of be in my backyard. So it could either be where I live currently or a place that I sort of call my backyard. And, and I lived on this property in college for two years. Uh, Reese and I were teammates at Shawnee state university and, um, he had a cabin on this property. It actually, it was another cabin um, adjacent from where the lake house is. If anybody's familiar with McChesney Ridge, um, we we basically visited this property that the course is on now. None of the trails were there. We started putting in little trails, little loops um, when we lived there and we're in college. And we just always enjoyed the lake, um, just kind of setting up, you know, messed around the woods on these little trails we built. And, um, and we always just dreamed about like how cool would it be to have a place where runners came and, and our friends came and we had parties and, and stuff like that. And it's just a amazing venue for that. It's, you know, so when I was looking at places to hold this event, um, this was the first choice and Reese was definitely on board. It's amazing to have like a very close friend, um, kind of helping support it. He manages the trails. He, he takes care of all the stuff on the property. Um, so yeah, we, we want to bring that atmosphere that we kind of set up back in college. Uh, we have parties and, and invite people over and just have a great time um, at his place. And, and now we just want to do that for more people and invite people from all around to come. So every single year, I feel like there's a course change that just totally improves the course from year one to year two to year three. What are some of those course changes going into this year's Backyard Ultra? Yep. So that's the cool thing too, about, um, being on private property with your, one of your best friends is that, um, as long as he's willing to kind of make changes and tweaks to the trails, you can do it. You can't do that at a state park. You can't do that at a public park. Um, so, you know, we talk about this all the time, Reese and I, and if we just put on a 5k there or a 10k race there, we would make it as hard as we could. And there's, there's trails on this property that are really hard. I mean, if you do the 5k course that we've done in the past, it'd be 800 feet of elevation gain. But for the backyard ultra, we have to try to make it as, as easy as we can so we can get people to go as far as they possibly can. So if there was 800 feet of elevation gain, you know, it, it'd be an early day or early day and a half. So that's when we kind of refined it all the way down to this two mile course that you do twice, 2.08 to be precise. And the first year, you know, we, we did it the best we could. And then we kind of looked at it and looked at areas that we could change the course to take out in our minds, the hardest sections are steep downhills, more damage to your quads, more damage to your, um, you know, your legs in the long haul. And so the steepest downhill we took out, uh, we, we kind of made it basically the downhill that we took out, we doubled or tripled the distance that it took to get to the bottom of the hill by kind of weaving through the woods. And that, that made a huge difference. I thought in a year or two, um, then we made some changes this year. We, um, there's another little downhill that was short, but it was just really steep um, that led into this little lollipop section down by the, the start of the driveway. And we were able to find another section on the course to add a little flat section to make up the distance that we cut out that little downhill. So 
Um, basically, um, we've cut out probably in total from year one, 50 feet of elevation gain per loop um, down to less than 475 feet per 4.16 mile loop. And so that alone is, has been great. Um, taking out the two big steep downhills has been great. Um, and, and just trying to make it as smooth and fine as possible for the runners to go all day, a second day, and, and hopefully a third day. And then the night loop is, is pretty basic. It's just a fairly flat road at nighttime. Those changes are super awesome. And I think it's going to be super unique to see again, how, you know, the course changes and, you know, hearing the feedback from the runners out there. Uh, yeah. And, and I hope too, like the runners that are, you know, there's, there's many runners that are in for their third straight year um, kind of hearing their feedback because they've seen every iteration of the Ohio's backyard ultra course. You know, I don't, I would say they pick up on it because once you do that 12 hours in a row, you kind of get to know the course very intimately and so I think they'll notice and be hopefully, like you said, appreciative. Well, that's a kind of a great transition there, Michael, because we do have someone that's been a part of this race for all three years so far on uh -oh. the line. So we're going to get them here joining us on the line. Who do we have calling right now and where you're from? Uh, this is Reese. <laughs> What's going on, Reese? Not a lot. I had to run upstairs and get away from the delay. I was like kind of here ahead of time. And then, uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, this race takes place on your property and runners, you're going to have the you know, hundreds of runners come to the place this weekend. How excited are you? How, what does this week of preparation look like? And how are you feeling? I haven't even been there a few weeks. And so I feel pretty good, but I wish I could be there more. Exciting. It's fun when I see Michael, you know, he gets to go there during the weekdays sometimes and he'll send me a video and uh, it's always good. He's gotten out there for some good weather days too. Michael, what, uh, what questions do you have for Reese before, uh, <laughs> he's on with us? I'm sure you could go on for days. The chat well, loving Reese. You know, <laughs> Reese and I, talk a lot about the backyard ultra as, as it leads up to the race. And, uh, you know, we're always thinking about like, like we've talked about, like ways to improve the course, what we need to do to get ready. Like I'm excited because tomorrow we're both going to get down there and, uh, just have basically three full day or two and a half full days before runners get there. And, uh, we'll get so much work done in those two and a half days. And it's like, you know, it's like a reunion on McChesney Ridge. Uh, when Reese and I get there a couple days before the race and, uh, Lots of inspiration comes from those days. And um, I don't really have any questions for Reese because we've discussed them all um, in the weeks leading up to this week. But uh, I'm just looking forward to hanging out. Yeah. Hey, Wesley, um, I, I think as time goes on, it, you know, because we, we always try to get there on the, you know, the Wednesday night or, uh, and then do course set up on Thursday too. But, as time goes on, it'd be cool to see how many more people start making it, you know, the day or two, two days before knowing full well that they can't set up their stuff, but just to like get out there day before and then without COVID this year and kind of looking at the longer race, I mean, I know COVID's a thing, but it'll be fun to see kind of who sticks around into uh, Monday, you know, not just the runners, but 
from a spectator perspective too. Yeah, it's gonna be super unique. And I, I, yeah, I mean, people can come down, right? Like if they were wanting to come out on camp Thursday, can they do that? It would be awesome. It'd be really awesome. They can't set up their stuff in the corral uh, until Friday at two, but you know, we love we love when people show up early. Yeah, and that's just from a parking I'll, perspective. Yeah, I'll, I'll second that. Like, um, you know, just to plug Miss Chesney Ridge, like this place is amazing for camping. And, um, you know, Reese and Bree are trying to kind of like spread the word about their property as a, as a rental property. Um, it's obviously got the cabin, but uh, camping is just top notch. I mean, you got, I mean, there's so many locations on the property that would be awesome to pitch a tent with your family or with yourself and just uh, hang out for a few days. And uh, anybody who drops out of the race early or their crew are welcome to uh, set up a tent, you know, to watch out the final rate. You know, you'll be there maybe till Monday, but uh, definitely welcome to do that. Cam, I think you had something here. Yeah. Um, so what I was really wondering was, I remember the very first year, not really, at least I was there in 2018, not really knowing much of the community, only having done one of Michael's races before, I was really blown away by how close all of a sudden I felt with everybody at um, at this race. It felt like what I, what I imagine family reunions feel like for people from functional families. Um, and so the big question I wanted to ask is, I remember getting coffee in Reese's kitchen the morning of that race. Reese, are you going to be doing that again this year or <laughs> COVID precautions that you're going to be bringing coffee down the hill to everybody? Uh, we, we learned that first year that uh, our standard kitchen just can't quite make enough gallons per minute to uh, supply the demand. Uh, so we, we are going to hold off on that up there, <laughs> but I think you, you know, you definitely raise a good point. We, we, uh, we definitely love the coffee scene, but yeah, I'd, I'd say the party will be mainly the Friday, you know, that'll be up on the porch and then Saturday morning, we'll just try to make as much coffee as humanly possible. Well, that's it, what goes. Uh, this past year we, I got, I bought that 60 cup percolator and, uh, you know, it's not the greatest quality coffee, but, uh, it definitely makes 60 cups of coffee pretty quick. And, uh, I think we went through a uh, probably 10 of those throughout the week mm -hmm. end, and uh, it was pretty top-notch, just have something hot. That was Nick's Cam, but I remember that morning, and we appreciate it. Was, it was so fun. Like, everyone just kind of kept kind of coming in and grabbing some coffee and chatting a little bit. And, you know, at the time, mm -hmm. though, looking back on it, we didn't know how long that thing was going to go, right? Like, this was the hilliest course you could find in this race format. Um, it, it wasn't a huge field. Uh, we didn't really know the full capabilities of Troy Allen and it's like, wow, that all just happened. Right. And then it just, you know, here we are again, but price of poker is a little higher this time. So Chase Smith actually has a question. I think this would be good for Michael Andres to kind of answer is what advice would you give to crew members? And do you have any tips for making life easy on a runner in the backyard ultra format? Um, it's a good question. I mean, everyone has their different style and we, we, we've seen anything from elaborate setups to very simple little pop-up, you know, 
uh, you know, beach tents. But uh, I, I would say just be very open on communication. You know, personally, if I was running this race, I wouldn't want too much just um, yes, besides like having the food ready for me when I get in. Uh, there's other people that might want to kick back in a chair and, and you know, have their shoes changed for them and everything. But uh, I think just uh, the biggest advice for the crew is for the crew to get rest during the uh, event. So, you know, during his night hours, sneak in a 40 minute nap when your runner's out running their uh, 50 minute loops. Yeah. Reese, what do you think? Uh, you know, I think day one, you know, it, it can be, it could be fun uh, to, you know, interact with a runner as a crew member a lot. I think day two, the, the biggest separation we really start to see there is the runners that can just really zone in and have a clear cut strategy, um, you know, without sort of getting, getting too worried about, well, what am I going to get the next lap or what, you know, how much am I going to hydrate or how much am I going to eat? It's just sort of like this predetermined machine type setup that it seems like the good people are able to do. Whereas, you know, when someone starts bonking it, it's sort of, they come back to that crowd and it's just kind of like question marks. It's like, okay, do I need to take off my shoes? Do I need to eat something different? Uh, so, yeah, I think it's just about simplicity wins over time. So before we let you get out of here, Reese, what's one thing you're looking forward to most this weekend? I think Michael can kind of attest to this, but and this is what this is what I called in to ask Wesley too. Is like, are, who's going to win out of our Shawnee State alumni group? Because that's I think Michael and I we we both we've prided ourselves on all that we. I used to host a bunch of small trail runs, and Michael's hosted trail runs, but we never really figured out how to get the competitive spirit out of the Bears until this race. And it's like, that's what I was going to ask Wesley. I was like, you know, you got your category for top 10 overall, but you know, who's going to win the Shawnee state alumni uh, badge this year? I think it's got to go to Seth Miller, right? I don't know. Seth has had this knee injury for a couple months. Uh, That's a good question. Got to get Sarah Beal in there. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I wish she could make it. Maybe John Williams. That's my pick. That's what I was going to say was mine, too. Because he's but, had some uh, you know, great training recently. Maybe yeah, Bree he's going to be fun to watch. <laughs> oh, I, like the Bree, oh, I, like the, I like the Bree Brown pick. That's a spicy pick. <laughs> She's in the comments, and she uh, said that she her, uh, her choice there. Love to see it. <laughs> I, I, like think, it. I think she'll run her best, uh, most mileage ever. She might, uh, she'll double her most mileage ever. So I mean, I she got that going for her. I agree. Will you be out there running again? No, I'm actually gonna, you know, I'm going to watch and then I got to jump on the bulldozer and get to work. I, I don't get much time there anymore. And I'm building a disc golf course and I'll literally, you know, I'll wave at the runners as they go by that first lap, and then they'll kind of hear me out in the woods uh, pushing dirt. So 
but it'll be kind of fun. I mean, I'm still going to jump off and run over and say hi to everyone every lap I can. Always making those course improvements out on the property. We absolutely love to see it. Uh, Reese, thank you so much for hopping on tonight and joining us. Uh, it was great talking to you. Dude, you guys are awesome. Keep up the good spirit. I'm a big fan. You guys are cool. I'll see you. See you tomorrow. Yep. See you later. Well, that was cool. Good old uh, Reese Brown, McChesney Ridge Athletic Club, hopping on the call. If you want to join, obviously just text that number at the top of the screen. JD3 will hook you up with the instructions and we'll get you going. Uh, John, if you do want to say hi at any point, just let us know. Uh, I know you're working on getting your camera. Nick Voss, his plane is actually in the process of landing right now. So will Nick join the show? That is going to be the question that one will have to kind of, uh, we'll, we'll find out together, I guess. But uh, mm -hmm. Michael, so I want to know now, um, you obviously saw my prediction videos and you had some hot takes. You kind of thought they were trash, which that's solid opinion, honestly. What? <laughs> but <laughs> hey, I'm just reiterating what you told me. But uh, you, who are your dark horses? What are your predictions for the top runners uh, for this year? <laughs> You're trying to bait me into saying things here, but uh, I never said anything about your predictions. You said they were awful. <laughs> no. I mean, yes, they were, but I won't say that to you, for goodness sakes. <laughs> um, what was the question? Who's my dark horses? Yeah, who are your predictions? What are your predictions? Okay. So, I mean, your, your picks were fine. I mean, top five, I can see those people finishing in the top five, maybe not in that exact order, but uh, there's there's a few uh, men and women on the on the field that I – think could also finish in top five or could win it one of the cool things about this event is that you know you could get a surprise winner and um have somebody win that you never would have thought but uh besides the, so you so run down who you picked in top five real fast wesley put me on the spot to remember by yeah really <laughs> uh, it was, you think we put that much thought into this <laughs> yeah, yeah. i have it in a note sheet okay so it's jacob conrad for the win tanner in second gabe in third jennifer and jennifer harvey and fourth yeah there we mm -hmm. go okay so those like i said i think those five people could finish top five or did you pick c rob for uh i'd see rob six okay that's right you did a top 10 so anyway like i said any of those people could finish top five and i wouldn't be surprised but actually i would be surprised if the projected people do finish and you know there's always things that happen people's going to drop early there's going to be issues come up so there's going to be in my opinion there's going to be some people sneak in there and I, and I hope just for the event's sake that there's a few people that no one's heard of it's always fun at the big dogs backyard ultra when there's a new guy or girl in the final you know final four or something but so you know i i mentioned a couple names earlier on aaron brady and Amy Nelson. I think those two ladies, um, I don't have their results off top, you know, right here in front of me, but they've finished some hard hundred milers in pretty good times. Um, Alicia Bowling, she was a runner from last year. I think she went 83 miles last year. Um, and, and we've seen it time and time after again, where second year doing the backward ultra, you just exponentially get better. You know, Chadwick went from eighties to 142. And uh, same thing could happen with people like that. Um, 
those are some of the women that I think could finish in top five very much, um, you know, very much so. Um, some of the men that you didn't mention in your top predictions were, um, let's see here, Ben, ben Pooley. Uh, he's back from 2019. Um, I don't, haven't really looked what he's done recently, but he ran 108 miles in 2019 at, on this course. Course was harder two years ago. So, you know, with his experience and as long as he's in good fitness, he could, he could be up there. Um, Nick McDonald's another name. He's from Chillicothe. Uh, he's done several hundred milers just recently too. And he's seems like he's kind of got right into hundred milers and just kind of went, went for it. Um, I, I think he's done some bigger like mountain trips out West as well. Um, he's got like the leg speed just to not have to worry about the pace. And I think, you know, there's people like that, that, um, they're just naturally fast enough to not have to ever really worry about the one hour pace, like, like some other people do. Um, and there's just all these names I've, I've got written down here, like, um, Ryan Cotton, he's, he's got some great results. Kelly Hutchins, he's a runner from, uh, Kentucky that could do great. Sean Humphrey went 104 a couple years ago. Um, ben Troy went 100 miles last year. John Williams, he didn't do very well last year, but his training, I mean, he's probably put in the most miles of anybody in this race field this year so far. Um, Tim Atkins has gone, you know, 24 hours, 100 mile race. All, all these people that, um, David Johnston, he's a runner that uh, went 172 miles a few years ago at Biggs, and um, no one's talked about him. So, um, yeah, I don't know where he's at currently with his life and his running career, but, uh, you know, he's got the experience and that's what it takes. So there's just some names, like I can go on and on here. Um, <laughs> just, I got the entrant list pulled up and, uh, I could probably name all 110 and, uh, make myself feel pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, those are just some names that stood out to me as, as being people that could be 150 plus. Mm-hmm. David was definitely probably a snub there. And, uh, you know, even Mike Rowe and Abe Messina, like those guys are definitely getting, you know, Abe, or Abe, I think finished like in the top eight, I believe. And Mike Rowe finished fifth last year. And, you know, no yeah, and, and, I, and I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to leave those names off the list. It's just, uh, you know, I, so I, I usually give bib numbers to quote unquote my seeds. Uh, this year I did a little bit differently. I, I basically gave the top 10 bib numbers to the top 10 returners from last year. So that's kind of fun. Um, so, you know, Mike Rowe is on that list. Abe Manichino, I'm going to butcher his name there. He, uh, he's a top 10 returner. Tim Crow is a top 10 returner. Um, and, and so on. <laughs> yeah. And so this is a interesting thing that I've been thinking about a lot, Michael, with a field as deep as this, do you feel like because there's the potential for so many people to get to to get to 100, to get to 130, to get to 150, right? That second night loop. How do you feel it's going to be to those people who have they have gone super far before, but they've never done it in a field this big? And thinking about myself, because I'm going to be there running around Reese's backyard as well, you know, the idea that I'm going to be setting some huge, massive personal best which I definitely think is on the table to be frank for myself. Um, and then there's still, there's still 25 people in the race. You know, I'm so far from any sort of like competitive glimpse. How do you think that's going to get in the head of these guys who have these really big resumes and have done these huge things at these backyard ultras before where they're like, 
there's only supposed to be like two or three other people left at this point. And the corral's full and Chadwick Robinson's yelling about gremlins behind him. Like what's that going to do to their mental state? I mean, I would, I would hope that it does the complete opposite of kind of what you just said. I would, I would hope that it just uh, gives them the confidence that they're going to be able to perform at their absolute best. Um, you know, just from a, being a competitor myself sometimes throughout the year, um, you know, my, my mindset, I don't know how to do this or how to coach it or, or how to get people into this mindset, but um, you, yeah, you absolutely cannot worry about who is in the field at any, any time, even if you're down to the final two, you cannot look at the runner beside you and think, Oh shoot, they look fresh or Oh shoot. There's 25 people left. And you know, we're at 120 miles. Like if you, if you start doing that comparison game, then, you know, you're lower on the totem pool um, from a performance standpoint, in my opinion. And you see it all the time. You see that as somebody's excuse for dropping out. They feel that they can't match the people that they're with. And inevitably the days after that decision, they regret it because you don't know what somebody else is going through. You don't know how their body's feeling. You don't know the false front they're putting on every time they step up to the line, you know, and uh, if, if there's 25 people left with at a hundred whatever miles, you know, that excites me as a race director. But if I was a runner, I would just stay locked in focused and kind of like inside be excited about the opportunities that lie ahead in the, in the following hours. So with that said, then Michael, what advice do you have to the runner um, like myself or like our absent uh, host, Nick Voss, you know, who just, frankly, we don't have the juice that Jacob Conrad has, you know, and if there's a way for us to get it, we have yet to figure that out. Right. Um, What advice do you have for the people like us? And there's plenty more of people like us in the field, you know, than there are of these people who are liable to run for two or more whole days to, sort of like prepare ourselves mentally for knowing that like we're not in the competition, but we're there to get the best out of ourselves. And and that's what it is, right? Like in any race you go to, most people know they're not going to win the race, but that's not a reason for not showing up. You know, any race you're doing, if it's a times race or a course race or, or whatever, or a backyard ultra, you're looking to get your best, your best performance, and, um, you know, competition kind of feeds competition. And so when you're able to put yourself in a field like this, um, you know, I, I always think that the bigger the pack, the, the further everyone in the pack goes, um, birds of a feather flock together. So, you know, for people like yourself, Cam, who, you know, I mean, who knows what happens, you know, I mean, is there throw a prediction? Out. Throw a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't want that. I don't no, want I'm not, that. I'm not giving a single prediction for anybody in this field, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by people like you and Nick that this is a setting, an atmosphere that would get the best out of, you know, quote unquote, a mid packer. Um, you know, I think you can get distance PRs and um, at some point, you know, you, you don't want to have um, finish goals for a backyard ultra. I've always been a big believer in, and not making distance goals, you know, don't say I'm, I'm done after a hundred or don't say my goal is a hundred miles. Your goal should always just simply be 
to go as far as you can. And that goal um, should be the same for all 110 runners. And so, um, like I said, like I said, with the top runners, you know, you, you can never compare yourself to who's left or who's in the field, but also just never compare yourself to your own, um, you know, perceived limits or your own um, kind of like number goals that you might have in your head. I feel like that's tough, right? Because obviously if you want to go into it with a number, but not having a number is just so tricky. And as someone who's done that format twice now, when I went into it with no number, I kind of dropped earlier than if I would have probably had a number goal. Is there a method to the madness where you just say, hey, my number is 250 and go for it? <laughs> I mean, if you want to make a number goal, just make it like 300. And then you're like, okay, and then if I get my goal, then you've probably won and set records. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I've only done the backward ultra once and it was a quarantine backward ultra. It was at my own house. So it was much different, but, uh, um, I don't know for me. And I, and I tell this people, I tell this to people on the day of the race all the time that 100 is just a number, just a number, but you see every year there's huge dropout rate after, or at the hundred mile mark, you know, I, the first, I forget about the second year, but the first year, 14 people made it to hundred miles and immediately seven people dropped out. And like, in my eyes, it's just, it's just like, that's not the purpose of this race. I mean, if you were running a hundred mile race, then surely that's the purpose. But, um, I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason or a method to, uh, getting that out of our minds. I think it's a cultural thing that people like shiny numbers and, and big round numbers, but, uh, yeah, but, but in reality, like if you just take all the different little cultural symbol symbols away from your mind, like what's different about 104, what's different about 108, you know, it's just, it, it's literally just another number. And, uh, I don't know why that is, but, uh, or, or, but also I'm also, I'm also a believer that like people get to the 80 mile mark and are just holding on by a thread and then that's kind of when like the number 100 kind of helps you. <laughs> it's like, you don't see many people dropping out from 80 miles to hundred, like literally zero people. Cause then you get to the point where you're like, okay, four more hours, I'm at hundred miles. And then, so that might be a part of the reason people drop out a lot at hundred miles. But, uh, I mean, you just have to set it in stone right now, two months ago for people in this race that that's going to be your mindset. And then you train with that mindset every day. And then, uh, you give yourself no out on the day of the race. So two months ago, Cam Wrench decided to go on this show, Voss Talks, and make a prediction about his training. He was feeling really good. So I just want to like play back this video so everyone can remember it. And really just, I just want to like dive into it. So let's play the video for everyone. Is this scripted? <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely had a pretty spicy take today out on the Mohican trails. And it was that... Um, my honest prediction was, is that I would go 20 more miles than Nick would at OBU. And so maybe that was just a, a little bit of the stoke on how good I was feeling after like climbing up and over gorge and everything, you know, um, I'm still honestly kind of shocked at how good I feel after doing 21 at Mohican today. I've been in better shape and felt worse after running there, especially solo. So, you know, I don't know what Nick thinks of that prediction, but, you know, clearly those are, those were my thoughts today. 
Nick? Well, keep them, keep them coming, Cam. Uh, you know, I think uh, just a week or two ago, it was you wanted to beat me, and now it's 20 miles farther. I think by the time we get to March, you're going to be a solid 24 hours farther than me. So, uh, Cam, now that we know, now it's March, what is your prediction versus Nick? Is it 24 hours you're going to beat Nick by? You know, I, I think the thing about Nick is that I want the best for him, too. And I would, I would really like to have some like deep, weird mid packer battle with Nick where we're both just barely hanging on at like 128 miles. And then Harvey Lewis hasn't even started sweating yet. He's eating whatever it is that vegans eat during something like this. Um, And we're just fighting for our lives out there for lack of a better way of putting it. And for the elites, the race really hasn't even started. Um, So I'm not going to throw a, throw a prediction out there. I've been doing a lot of meditation and visualization and thinking about my goals. And let's also be honest, the guy who made that prediction, you know, like he only had a goatee. I've got almost a beard now, you know, like a lot has changed since then. I'm a little more mellow, but I'm also, I'm showing up to Reese's backyard in a very weird kind of fitness area that I've never been in before where I'm slower frankly, than I have been in the past and sort of like at my peak fitness, but I feel more durable and sort of like stronger um, in a way that like, I'm not sure how to explain sort of like muscularly almost, but yeah, you know, we'll see. And hopefully there on that, uh, that second day, when we get back to the trails, Nick is ready to um, throw down a little bit with me. Wow. What are your thoughts on that, Michael? I don't give thoughts to runners in this race. I just got to keep it to myself. <laughs> I mean, wow was certainly a thought, but you know. World world of Wesley is all I got to say. <laughs> Appreciate the uh, the plug there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, you know, there's obviously the big predictions that everyone kind of has going in this race, but I think Ridge Nation is going to be super in like tuned in to the, you know, the Cam Wrench versus Nick Voss battle. I think that's what people are going to be wanting to give updates of for. So for people looking to get updates on race day, Michael, um, how do they go about that? Yeah. So I think we do a pretty good job of getting updates out there. Um, you know, we don't have live hourly results posted, you know, we don't even have chip timing. So I think people need to realize that one, we are a very small grassroots company, one employee, me and a lot of very, very helpful, um, volunteers. Um, you know, we're not Jamil Curry. We can't put live, uh, <laughs> unfortunately we can't do live videos of, of the race, but, uh, and we're not last either. We don't have trail runner magazine or an ultra runner magazine, New York times and the Washington post, you know, calling us up asking if they can send media people. But, um, you know, I, I do, uh, hourly updates as much as I can throughout the race, especially later on in the race. Um, I think I probably did every hour for the last 12 hours last year. And uh, so Facebook is the best way. And um, and I'll give updates the best I can, race director hourly updates, and it'll highlight who drops. It'll highlight moments uh, that stand out to me. And um, it'll be my thoughts on the race. Um, if anybody's at the race, crew members, uh, whatever, um, just hashtag OBU and uh, you can follow along on like the social media, but I'm going to try to link up like my Twitter, like SEOTR's Twitter 
and Instagram along with those Facebook updates. So you can kind of see us on all platforms, but uh, there's also um, I've talked to, or I've gave kind of a clearance to two local journalists, a couple newspapers that um, kind of heard about it and wanted to come by. And so I told them to come on by and I don't know the extent of their journalistic interest of this event, but uh, hopefully they, you know, do, do some observing and maybe some interviewing or whatnot and uh, kind of, you know, write about it for their, uh, their uh, audience or whatever. Um, you know, the one of the, one of the biggest limiters to this is the, uh, the cell phone service at McChesney Ridge is, you know, it's not non-existent, but it's mostly non-existent down where the start line is. So it's not like anybody can be standing there with her Twitter at the start line, taking pictures of people finishing because um, you're not going to be able to get that out there. You're going to have to walk up a couple hundred feet into the uh, high point and uh, and get that update out. So there's a little delay just simply due to the cell phone uh, coverage and and so forth. Uh, but yeah, we'll do our best with Facebook on SEOTR events. So you can follow there. Yeah, I think we've got that in the description of this video as well. And uh, Bridget, are we going to be there, guys? I know Cam is. So Cam, when you drop out after like 12 hours, can you start doing some updates for us and really just kind of help uh, help grow the brand, you know? You just, you're... You're doing me dirty than I, I even imagined you would, Wesley, going into this. Um, and honestly, Michael makes that comment about us not being Jameel Curry, even though you and I do look like the low-budget version of Jameel Curry and Skylar Hall sometimes. Um, but I just, you know, no, I'm not going to go up that hill. If you're interested in going up that hill every hour on the hour to um, send out a tweet, I run Farsile, Give us a call, text that number on the screen there and uh, JD3 will get you patching us and we'll we'll let you know what you can do to help out because that would be really great, um, I'm sure. But, you know, yeah, I, I have a question for you, Michael, and that's actually kind of based on this. And I was just in the Shawnee Forest last weekend on a little quick backpacking overnighter with my girlfriend. But, you know, does the fact that you're getting that you don't have cell service, right? Like, does that contribute more to like the grassroots feel of this event for you where there's, it's kind of like this little insular thing, right? Like you're not worried about making sure that people on Twitter know what's happening. You're just worried about what's happening. You're just living the race as it goes on. 100%, 100%. And my favorite events, you know, I, I have this struggle, you know, for the last eight years since I've started race directing of, of like, how do I be a race director, a really good race director? And also how do I really enjoy the trail running community? Because, you know, there was a time before I was a race director that I was just a part of the trail running community and I loved it. You know, I loved sitting around the fire, but when you're a race director, you can't sit around the fire the night before the race. You can't go off and chat with the finishers um, the whole time, but the backyard ultra, is the one event that I put on that I am able to kind of sit around the fire because it's all right there. And so um, the less I can kind of take off my plate for race day, if I'm just ringing the bell and blowing the whistle and just kind of doing some things around camp, then uh, I'm able to be part of the community and see everybody every hour. And that makes me feel really good. You know, I put on a little um, kind of a undercover private uh 
convenient adventure that that I put on for the past eight years at Shawnee, and uh, I set it up and sort of put out some things, but uh, I tell everybody like this is not a race, this is not an event that I'm putting on. This is just Michael Owen as Michael Owen, and it's at the Shawnee Forest, and we've done it every year for the past eight years. And uh, I mean, that's that's the type of stuff that I like to do. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I love putting on the Shawnee 50. I love putting on the Thunder Bunny 50K, but uh, it's not the same experience um, that the runners have, you know? And um, I do have to put on some different hats throughout those events. And uh, so, yeah, taking away like the sensationalization of, uh, you know, media and, and kind of being tucked into the little cove of McChesney Ridge is really, really nice. You kind of, I mean, I'm literally on the property from Wednesday until I go home, which has been like Tuesday recently. And I hardly have any outside interaction. And I love that about this event. So obviously, I think that's one of the most rewarding aspects about this event. But what would you say is number one on that list of the most rewarding? Number, oh man. As Uh, a race director. (laughs) I mean, kind of like what I just said, the community of this event, some very close friends have come from this event. Um, you know, people that, you know, as a race director, I don't want to be viewed as somebody that's not accessible. And this race allows me to be very accessible to everyone in the, in the event. And when they see me out in public in the future or in between races, they'll look at me hopefully as somebody who is just another part of the, um, the community. And, uh, you know, if, if I was the race director of the Columbus marathon or the, you know, a bigger city marathon, you know, no one would even know what I look like. Um, and so OBU kind of, um, takes all those things that I kind of want to be as a race director and, and makes it like complete and, and makes it like fully wholesome and authentic. And, uh, so yeah, I guess uh, obviously Laz made this event, but uh, I like to think OBU kind of has a special little atmosphere um, to make us stand out. And perhaps that's why we uh, sell out pretty quick and get some really good competition and people from all over. But hopefully the, you know, I don't advertise too much, but hopefully the word has traveled to um, describe OBU as being that way. Mm-hmm. And we, we definitely hope it has. And I do have to say, Michael, that, you know, when I ran your very first, uh, the first race that I ran, my first ultra was the Thunder Bunny 50K. And at the time, you were just a guy who was at a couple of those eight stations. As before Nick Voss said, I fell way out of the top 10 because uh, I went out way too hard. And then because I was on that email list, you know, I got an email that says, you know, the hardest ultra marathon in Ohio. And I'm like, Oh, let me take this to my physical therapist. And she immediately said no, which was the smart thing, you know? So I decided to go volunteer at the Shawnee 50 and (laughs) we met a little more in person that day. And you became (laughs) this real person to me and not just the picture from the Thunder Bunny 50 K website. And the guy who, you know, like I saw at a couple of those aid stations and I was like, I don't know if I need, to puke right now or run harder. And you were like, Oh, I don't know about that. And then I went backwards for the rest of the race, but yeah, well, I, Cam, I, think... I will cam. I'll say I'll reminisce about our time together to Shawnee 50. Uh, I don't know how you ended up in my truck exactly, <laughs> but you saw me at my worst 
and uh, hopefully that'll be kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I'll always remember that. I'll just say that. Yeah. And I think if I remember the logistics, it's because I was the one volunteer who had a hard date to leave or a okay. hard time to leave. And you were like, you just come with me. Right. And I was like, I didn't really okay, know. Sure. Why not? Like yeah. I'll get into a truck with a man I don't know in the largest piece of wilderness in the state of Ohio. <laughs> um, and then, but, then you saw an epic fail of a race directing, uh, you know, one of my biggest blunders as a race director, like immediately after mm-hmm. that, but, uh, that probably humanized uh, the experience a bit. A little bit, definitely. And I also got to say, that's how I was introduced to the Shawnee Forest, you know, and my love for that place has really grown since. And I really can't sort of like show that appreciation I, that I have enough for it, like for you. Because without that event and that kind of like random email you just sent out to people on the list and my physical therapist being like, no, are you stupid? Why would you run that right now? You're injured, you know? Um, I, ne- I never would have been there and I never would have got that. And that place now like means so much to me and I, I can't wait to go back, you know? And I was just there on Saturday and Sunday, so. Yeah, man, that's how I feel every time I go there. You excited to feel that way the same way Cam about OBU this weekend and going back down to McChesney Ridge? That was a cute love story, by the way. I really did appreciate that. And I'm sure all the viewers did as well, but I. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very meat cute for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to get back to back down to Reese's backyard. Like I said, when he was on the phone, you know, like this is showing up at Michael's races is what I imagine family reunions must feel like for people from functional families, you know, like there's familiar faces and I don't get to see them often. And they're even people that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call friends. We never talk outside of like, you know, one of these uh, Southeast Ohio trail runner races. But when I see them there, they're great. And we might not know each other well, but I'm rooting for them. And I want to see great things from them. You know, like a couple of examples, like I really want to see Jess Koppelwitz run really great at this race. Just, you know, representing Tuscarawas County, right? Uh, I know she's from Dover and I'll forgive her for that. Um, so I hope she forgives me for being a nine, two, tour, but people like her. And then like Rob by you, I hope I'm saying his last name, right. I've only ever Blue. read it. I just Blue. know him as Rob. Blue. Right. Blue. And, but I see him at like every Seattle race and he was there, uh, at the camp that night before my first Thunder Bunny 50 K and him and Nick helped give me like a lot of, um, how do I want to word this? Just a lot of confidence going to that race that like, this is something you can do when camping out that night before I was like, I don't, I don't really know if I can do this, you know, like, is this a bridge too far? Like, how's it going to go? I've got no crew here. If I want to drop out, I, I don't know how I'm going to get back to my car, you know? Um, And just building that community feeling by going to multiple of these races over and over again. I mean, I'm excited to see, the volunteers, you know, I'm excited to get to see Reese and Bree again at the property and their dogs running around. I'm excited to see Earl the Pearl um, when he finally shows up, probably like late at night with the pizzas on Friday beforehand. Exactly. That's his job. <laughs> Just got that squared away today, actually. That's what makes OBU special is just the community that uh, is kind of just involved in it. Uh, in regards to that, we do have someone officially on the line. And so we're going to get them in real quick. Uh, who do we have on the line right now and where are you from? 
Uh, this is Evan Campbell, and I'm from Columbus, Ohio. How's it going, Evan? What do you want to talk about? I just want to say hello to Cam, uh, because I told him I'd say hello after work, and I'm going to cruise home on the backyard ultra this weekend. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, hi, Cam. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Evan. I'm here. Hey, hey Cam, man. I don't know if you know this, but Cam's a little shy on camera sometimes. So you really got to encourage him to talk wow. sometimes. Cam, come on, man. You're such a good spokesperson. Come on, dude. Oh, man. Well, Evan, now that you got the race director here and a guy who's run at least 100 miles at a backyard ultra before, do you have any questions for them about what kind of energy you should bring? And I'll preface this by saying, for those who don't know you, you haven't run an ultra yet, but you threw hike the AT and we worked together and I'm so stoked to have been, to have become your friend over these last few months. You're kind of like a human golden retriever and I can't wait to just see you, you know, at the night funny, and you you're going to be stoked. My mom says my spirit in life. So, yeah. You're correct. Right yeah. on. Mm-hmm. But just imagining getting to see you at like three in the morning when I'm cold and probably pretty cranky and tired. And you're just like stoked to like make me some ramen on a camp stove. I'm real excited about the, the prospect of that. Well, good, man. Just just know that that's exactly the energy. Can you press on this? Come on. I'll just say, yeah, like, F, yeah, dude. We're going to get this S H I T. And then I'm going to cook that ramen up. Slap whatever you need on your feet, Luco tape, whatever, and then you're gonna get going, man. Fill up them bottles, keep you nice and happy, and yeah. Seems like you got it all dialed in. What are you looking forward to most as a crew member out there? Um, honestly, I I pretty much just the experience. Uh, it's gonna be my first time ever really being at an ultra event. First time crewing anybody. So I'm just kind of looking forward to the experience and meeting everybody there and, you know, talking to cool people and just seeing, seeing how it goes. And I did tell Cam, I'm super excited to see him in a very low moment. <laughs> I've been like just broken. <laughs> uh, so it's just fun to see people in broken states. You know what I mean? That's like really raw, raw life force energy. So, you know, I'm excited to see broken Cam. Yeah, I'm sure you've never seen Cam in a broken spot at work or anything like that before. No, not that. No, I mean, not like running an ultra broken. Probably not like 50 miles in and it's, you know, four in the morning broken. Probably not, no. Definitely. Cam, do you have any final thoughts here for our caller? No, I'm just, I'm stoked Evan called in and can't wait to see him again this weekend. Um, like I said, for anybody who's going to be there, right? Like make sure to stop by the tent and say hi. Cause I'm not kidding that this dude just puts a smile on my face every time I see him. Um, like human golden retriever. I honestly, am just like, do we need to like play fetch sometime? Like it's literally that <laughs> intense. <laughs> hey man, you can play fetch with me anytime you want. <laughs> Uh, with thanks, Ken. No, that means a lot to me, man. I really appreciate it, dude. Seriously, that means a lot. And I'm excited. So I'll see you on Friday for sure. Go get some freaking Trader Joe's, stock it up, and then we'll go get this video, all right? All right, man. All right. Thanks for letting me, thanks for letting me talk on the show, guys. You guys have a good, uh, good rest of your show. Peace out.
Yep. Appreciate See you, you later, Evan. In. Yeah. Bye, guys. Well, that was cool. Look at that. A crew member, you know, experiencing, you know, a backyard ultra for the first time going into it. I'm sure there's going to be a couple other people with that experience as well. Um, and it's always just super unique to see those new people kind of be introduced to the community. And, you know, everyone kind of, uh, it's it's awesome to see everyone kind of just come together and, you know, not show them the ropes per se, but just kind of encourage them, lift them up, and then kind of just, you know, poke and prod where you need to. Uh, it's going to be awesome to see this weekend. Uh, Michael, do you have any final comments for anyone running Ohio's Backyard Ultra this weekend, anyone that's going to be following along from across the world like I am in Utah or anything like that? I mean, I'm tempted to just go into like a race briefing spiel here, but uh, <laughs> I'll save that for Friday night and Saturday morning. But uh, no, man, um, just, uh, you know, hopefully people tune in to the updates on Facebook and um, just kind of know that, Ohio's on the map and uh, remember us. Mm -hmm. Kim, do you have anything for us? I don't have any closing thoughts, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the man himself who's in the chat. Chadwick Donald Robinson, the gremlin from the Garf. Just wanted to know if we can talk about gremlins. I've never seen the film. Wesley, I know you haven't either. This is a generational gap, Michael. Do you know what a gremlin actually is? Oh, yeah, 100%. All right. Should we be should we be worried about Chadwick bringing the gremlins down to uh, Reese's backyard or what's what do we need to know as uh, Gen Zers here? I mean, I'm a millennial personally, but continue, Michael. Well, I'm a little <laughs> younger than you, but you know. I mean, if if somebody has the energy and the vibe and the persona of a gremlin, then that's the person that you need to be worried about. I think that's that's all you need to say that's all i did say that's that's it <laughs> that's boss talks guys <laughs> thanks so much for everyone tuning into this episode it was absolutely incredible to sit down with our special guest race director of seotr michael owen to preview ohio's backyard ultra this weekend it's going to be a super awesome event shout out to jd3 for producing the show behind the scenes didn't want to stop in and say hi this time but you know we'll get him back out we'll bully him a little bit off camera and get him on uh thank you guys so much next week we do plan on having the winner of obu on ridge runners live if they so choose it'll be the 50th episode of Bridge Honors Live. Couldn't think of a better way to have episode number 50. Until then, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Have fun at OBU. Absolutely crush it. I'm going to miss everyone there. Cannot wait to see what you guys put up. See you guys later. Regeneration, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Voss Talks. Remember, if you want to call into the show, check our social medias to find out when we're going to go live next. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We have a Strava club as well. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time.